What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain Total Human is a complete reimagining of the daily multivitamin designed to support specific body systems on a day-to-day basis. Total Human combines many of Onnit's best-in-class formulas into a simple and effective all-in-one product, making it the easiest way to get optimized. Instead of one pill, Total Human provides two separate packs of capsules offering rich doses of earth-grown nutrients and clinically studied ingredients specifically balanced to support the brain, bones, soft tissue, along with mood, energy, immune health, and more. The day pack helps support memory and focus with Alpha Brain, gives an energy boost with Shroom Tech Sport, assists with keeping your bones and joints nourished with Strombone, and promotes more resiliency with Active B Complete. The Night Pack offers the body the mood-balancing benefit of new mood, along with the immune-supporting actions of key minerals with vitamin C and lysine. Both packs contain the edible algae spirulina and chlorella, which provide a broad spectrum of nutrients, and krill oil, which offers EPA and DHA for brain and overall system health. Total Human combines the absolute best of the Onnit product line with vital nutrients not easily obtained from food. So if you don't have time to curate your own supplement plan or you're looking to put your optimization on autopilot, relax. Onnit has done the work for you. Order Total Human and try it out for a few weeks to see for yourself. Set up a subscription, save some cash. Either way, you can rest assured that by taking these two little packs daily, you are on the path to total human optimization. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey and save 10%. And get yourself on a subscription to this one, onnit.com slash Aubrey. Thanks, fam. When I met David Rutherford, he showed up at Onnit with a bunch of different people for an influencer gathering, and I had no idea who he was. But it became apparent pretty quickly that he was absolutely the most positive individual in the entire room. Then I figured out that he was a Navy SEAL, and my mind was totally blown. He's been in the shit. He's been in the field. He's had his brushes with death on both sides. But through it all, he brings his spirit. He brings his positivity. He brings the sunshine. The man is incredible to be around. It was incredible to sit down with him and talk about the ins and outs of my own accident, my own brush with death. And I couldn't have had a better person to talk to about this than David So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast, and I appreciate you for listening. My man. My brother. What is going on? (laughs) Dude, I'll tell you what's going on. You tell me what's going on. You tell me what's going on. You are not dead. I'm not dead. You are not dead. Nope. And that is one of the greatest joys I've had recently that I can't even begin to describe to you. (laughs) Yeah, brother. I feel that. So what is so weird is like how it all came about because it's like 11 15 a.m i got a podcast with knuckle bear i'm meeting whitney here at the office i'm gonna have you know maybe a little snack get ready for the podcast i was in the shower i was doing my wim hof i had the cold water i had the air exposure i was owning the damn day yeah i had a keto keto smoothie i grab a spin drift i go into my car i look oh the battery's fully charged overnight that's cool i've been having trouble with the tesla charger i was like oh it's great it's my day It's my day. It is your day. Is you my are day. prepared I'm fucking, to own it. I'm podcasting with Nako Bear. I've been a huge fan Massive. of Nako Bear. Massive. Right. I'm like, this is going to be epic. I can't wait. And then 
I just fucking wake up in the hospital. Boom, boom. And that's it. And I wake up in the hospital. I have a sense I'm totally numb and in shock. Yeah. But I know there's just blood everywhere. Yeah. And like the doctor is like, hey, who should I notify? I have your phone here. I'm like, oh God, you got to call Whitney. Uh, you know, give my password to my phone yep. and like call Whitney Miller. And then she's on speaker and then the doctor handles it from there and I'm in and out of consciousness. But the crazy thing is the moment I woke up from the accident, yeah, I automatically knew that everything happened exactly for a reason. How could it not? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know how it could not. Because you, listen, if you were to come on here right now and get in front of me and say, you know what? It's a chance occurrence or whatever. And I'm going to take it for what it was. And I'm lucky. And I rolled the dice and I didn't die. And I'd look at you and I'd say, bullshit, dude. <laughs> bullshit. But that seems like the logical thing. But it's not how it felt at all. At all, bro. At all. There wasn't a moment when I was all bloody in my fucking, I had a cut that was going all the way through my lip. I still can't feel my face. Right. There wasn't a moment where I wasn't like, oh, wow, that's interesting that that happened. I'm, but I know exactly that it happened for me, not to me. Like that happened for me. It, it, well, I, I just love the sequence of events for you. Mm. Because how long before were you down in South America? Yeah, I was down a full eight days, South America, right? dealing with a bunch of shit there. Dealing with a bunch of shit. A bunch shit, of shit there. A bunch of shit, right? <laughs> yeah. You come back, and how long till that happened? <laughs> like maybe two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> 12 days okay, or something. So, well, yeah. And this is the fascinating part about it. That's why I feel immense, immense honor to be right here with you right now at this time, brother. As as you know, I'm a firm believer that we get the signs we need, yeah, right? And yeah. we get them in big ways if you're paying attention. And the more open you become, the greater the sign is. Mm -hmm. When you're closed, it's little little nippets that you're like, huh, maybe I, yeah. eh, maybe not. You get what you're able to handle in process. You know, Thank like you. when the student is ready, the master appears. Yep. You know, whether like when I'm ready to learn from this lesson, then the lesson comes like. Now are you ready to learn? But here's the kick-ass one for you, though, right, brother? You're you're walking in this pathway, and and there are not many of you out there, by the way. And you know this, right? And you and I talk about it, right? You you've chosen to say, "I'm I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk a higher plane of consciousness, right? I'm going to push myself." You just went down and stripped more layers, really in the process to get to what it is that is you, right? Yeah. Who am I? Why am I here? Mm -hmm. You just did it again. You dove deep. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, I'm ready for a lesson. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny is I learned a lot in that trip to Peru, but I failed the lessons that I'm learning now. I failed them. I was presented with the option because there. I remember there was a day, the last day, the last ceremony on what you. There was a day where I was walking around and I was recognizing like, the world is my beloved, the world is my lover, and that world will never disappoint me. And I was looking at the trees and going, yeah. "Hello, my beloved." And I was looking at the sky, "Hello, my beloved." Yeah. And like, this is really, you know, my truest lover is all of the earth there. And it's it'll always be there for me. And I have nothing to ever worry about. And then fast forward two days later, I'm all mind fucked, worried about my social dynamics and my fiance and girlfriend, all the all the things are just yeah, and I was almost like in like inconceivably despondent and depressed from all of these social dynamics that I thought were important and all these things that I'd forgotten. And I spend the next two weeks kind of working through them, but yeah. I kind of got back to like a homeostasis. That, 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 that baseline. The baseline, but I never really like learned what I'm learning now, which is like, oh, wow. Oh, bro, death snatches it all from you. It snatches it all. And then like you realize like, like, oh man, if I can just breathe and kiss and taste food and smile and spend time with my friends, I have it fucking made. <laughs> Dude, let's just start right. If I can just breathe. And I love Wim. God bless that guy. He's one of the coolest dudes yeah, I've ever yeah. met in my whole life, dude. And breathe, motherfucker, breathe. But no, just to be able to physically take a breath. Yeah. 
to be able to physically feed yourself, mm -hmm. to eat, yeah. to taste food, to feel the touch of a person that loves you so much and look into their eyes saying, you're not dead. It's so good. It's so good, it's isn't it? It's so good. So good. And the rest is just like, this is how we play and how we learn. And yeah, you can make it important if you want. You can use your imagination to imagine that it's all life and death, your career and how much money and all of these things. But it ain't. But it ain't, Not man. a little bit. <laughs> it ain't. Let me uh, ask you a question if I can. And and how soon, when you were when you were not slipping in and out of consciousness anymore, when you were awake and you know you, the recognition of the of of how close it happened when did that hit you and and was it the first time you visualized your vehicle was it the first time somebody said mm. to you, baby did you you know maybe wit said do you know how close you got or when did you really get that you just had the reaper whisper in your ear i never have so the, far the the funny thing is like I feel so guided through this accident. I it was it almost feels like it's so unusual for me to have passed. I like I know I passed out because I have no recollection of anything beyond the first 30 seconds of my drive out of the driveway, right? So yeah. I was I must have been slipping out of consciousness. I don't fucking slip out of consciousness. Ever. I, my 21st birthday, I took 32 shots of hard alcohol. <laughs> I took my pants off and went into my fraternity. Brother, I remember every <laughs> moment every belly, of it. Yeah. And I remember yeah. being pantsless with a shirt on in his bed <laughs> and him coming to me and be like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know, man. I, I, here I am. Yeah, like, this I'm, is sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm 21. I'm sorry. I'm drunk. I, I'm puking. Like, sorry. Right. I'm in your bed with no pants. Like, this is the way it's going. But it doesn't matter. I don't lose consciousness. Yeah. I don't pass out. I have a hell of a time falling asleep. But it was just, it was almost like, you know, if, you, if you're comfortable with the vocabulary, whether you want to call it universe or whether you want to call it God, God was just like, hey, go to sleep, bud right now. you know we go to sleep right, right now. now i got the rest you know the guardrail that's going to come smashing your face and everything it's going to teach you exactly what you need but you're actually going to be fine yeah and i've felt that way the whole time it doesn't feel like because there was it doesn't feel like chance it doesn't feel like it was close it feels like it was just the perfect amount to give me the lessons that i needed and that I couldn't have gotten any other way. You can't get those lessons. They don't no. exist any other place. You can hypothesize and imagine, oh, I wonder what it'd feel like to have my fucking face mangled. <laughs> you know? Literally. But you don't oh, know. My head almost ripped <laughs> yeah. off my body. Yeah, look, I mean, look at this scar I do, here. I bro. Like this was steel that came piercing through my car. In your, in your neck. And, How close you're crowded? Super close, <laughs> but it just scraped off, you know. And yep. like, and something came and hit me up underneath the teeth, my gums and my nose, like peeled off my face, and they kind of pushed it back in together. Yeah. Like all kinds of crazy shit happened, but yeah. it all happened like just right. Okay, just right. Just and so right. weird, man. And what's what's and and obviously it's funny, you know. I talking to everybody when I came in today, and everybody's just like, you know. I'm like, isn't it great he didn't die? And they're like, you know, what a great lead, right? But that's how I do it. And, and they're like, yeah, but what we can't, we, what we don't believe is, man, how good he looks already, you know? And, and how how fast he's healing. And yeah. and I and I said, well, it's probably, you know, because that's not the lesson, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's gonna happen much more quickly. Plus, the way you take care of yourself, and that's a statement for. All I think everything happens faster when you're willing to take the lesson immediately. Immediately. Otherwise, you just draw it out longer. And oh, you need to learn more about loneliness. Okay, here's everybody you know breaking up with you. Oh, you need to learn about forgiveness. Okay, here's everybody fucking you until you forgive them. You know, bro. We talked about we talked that about last that a little, year, a little bit too. And it was funny, man. As soon as you went. When you hit this, I was like, my God, man, it took me back to, you know, my ex saying we're done and, and having my perception of, of love being shattered into a million pieces and then piece by piece bringing it out. But it's funny, man, that brush with my own mortality, my own cognizant understanding of love, because love is the basis that props sure. us up every day. You know, it, I wasn't prepared to come through it. And I remember when we first met, I was like, man, you just said, hey, man, are you forgiving her? Are you forgiving <laughs> him? Are you forgiving? And I'm like, Aubrey, I don't know what the fuck <laughs> forgiveness means, brother, let yeah, alone yeah. even trying to apply it. 
So when you went through this, I, I thought to myself, well, man, does this brush with death, does, does, it, does it give him greater meaning, greater definition in his consciousness of what life, how life is defined? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I mean, everything that I'm doing now, it really just seems like fun. Like I'm playing this for fun. I'm podcasting here for fun. <laughs> like, hi everybody. Thanks for joining my fun. You know, because like <laughs> this is what we're doing here. We're just we're just playing and sharing and like the stuff that's the stuff that's really important. You know, that's all the really simple stuff. Yeah, that's the really fucking simple stuff. And and I think you start to realize that you get put so much importance even in something like love, like the construct of love, because love always exists and love actually isn't in jeopardy. But what became in jeopardy what became mortal was the framework and the attachment and the agreement and the primary partnership and all of these things Amen. that were like foundational pieces yeah. and all of those are sandcastles and the tide can come for any of those at, at any, any point time. and it fucking at did any time and we're sandcastles our face is a sandcastle skin, <laughs> bone, skin bone it's all a sandcastle yeah, it is. and every you know at some point the wave's gonna come and it's gonna wash it all back to grains of sand that's why when i sent you that text it was the whole concept of you know ashes to ashes dust to dust uh-huh. you know the first time i really skirted death right where i was like holy shit i'm gonna die right now <laughs> was in hell week right and we it was wednesday night we had been up since sunday afternoon we're going on i don't even know 50 some odd hours or whatever it was and we they had us paddling out into the surf zone doing surf passage at night it was is uh, this near san diego or is in coronado coronado, in coronado yeah. where our base is and it was an el nino year so we had the biggest surf in 10 years it was 25 to 30 foot faces. Jesus. And we paddled out into this stuff. And the instructors, the midnight crew, they were sadists, right? They were out of their minds. <laughs> so we're paddling out into this stuff. And it's a freaking yard sale for a mile down the beach. Nobody think. But in my boat crew, we had two guys who surfed. So everybody's like, all right, time is time the sets, whatever. And we had some pipe hitters, man. And we got out. And we got out. We didn't get crushed going out. So then turning around and coming in. Miss time set, right? And they were, and we, that wave picked us up and tossed us in the air. And I remember you, you do, you do one man's, two man's, three man's in this little IBS, little rubber boat. And then your coxswain or your, 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 your bow crew leaders in the back. And I was three man. And I remember getting picked up in the wave, just launching us in, in the air. And, you know, at that biggest surf, you know, we're four or 500 meters offshore. And I remember looking below me and seeing the little chem lights on our helmets of two man, like five feet below me. <laughs> and the little chem light of the one man, like 15 feet below Damn. me. And me flying through the air. just Damn. And all I'm thinking to myself, don't drop my paddle. Don't drop, I'm going to get in trouble if I drop my paddle. <laughs> That's where my head was. Hit the wave. And we are wearing the, the, the you know, Navy issued K-Pock. And so you're going to, f- and it driving me to the bottom of the ocean figuring out where to go coming up as soon as i came up i got hit again driving me to the bottom of the ocean and that kept happening and happening and by the time i the set came through i was completely exhausted i couldn't find the rest of my boat crew you know boat's gone i'm out in the middle of the ocean and then the next set comes in another 15 waves 20 (laughs) foot tall and i remember midway through that i was like this is I'm going to die. Yep, right? this I is could, it. I, I, this is my time. And holy shit, at least drowning's cool way to die. You know, <laughs> out of all the ways you can die, you know, yeah, yeah. this is pretty, pretty caught. But I was like, after that, I hit the beach in a whole new mindset. Wow. And so my question for you is, well, first, let me ask a real quick one is, have you ever skirted death like that before? Oh, man. I can't say that I have. I can't say. I mean, I've had my own little ocean stuff when I was a kid, but it's nothing, nothing that actually was that close enough to trigger that. I've done most of my work in the plants, you know, like where like ayahuasca will show me all the ways that I'm dying, sliding down vines of thorns and spikes, ripping my flesh, insects coming inside me, cancer devouring my body, all of these things that are hallucinatorily real you know and dealing with them but in the physical 
this is probably one of my closest brushes with death in the in the actual physical physical realm which is interesting it's really interesting because you you know you gain so much perspective with you know the ceremony as mm-hmm. you've told us and yet you shared when you came on with Marcus and I and you know and and, and a lot of other times that you've spoken about it but again that's that's bringing forth subconscious into consciousness right mm-hmm. through through plants but now man this is sobriety and this is the subconsciousness in its and it's reality, right? Yeah. And and the fact that man, my face almost was ripped off off my head, right? Yeah. And and, and some Nicolas Cage face off. Face off. <laughs> that was shit that was, was going like, on. Here. I was like, man, I'm Castor Troy. Yeah, I was Woo. like, I know they don't have a 3D machine <laughs> at it, right? Right. But but the, the the idea now moving forward as another perspective to to create a new baseline. Right, a new baseline of perspective based on the hallucinatory reality that you've experienced. Now, based on this, wh- where do you go from now? Well, what I think I've been experiencing is like you have to overcome your fears. You have to collapse your fears yeah, exactly. to live any Amen. life of joy or peace or, or sovereignty in any way. With have any any agency in life at all, any yeah. free will and choice. You have to be beyond fear. To a certain extent and i think my path has taken me to getting beyond these fears first was the fear of physical death yeah. and then then it was the fear of nothingness not existing at all which was even worse than physical death because the specialness <laughs> of my soul was gone and, and then this last trip forever forever yeah exactly right? yeah. it's just like yeah. you're a oh, they told me you're a, a a cup of water borrowed from the ocean and the ocean forgot and the water gets poured back and it's like no wait no i'm cool i'm special i have multiple lifetimes i come and sometimes i'm king and sometimes i'm peasant but i'm awesome yeah Yeah, like all the sacrificing all the specialness and then this last trip to peru was really fucking interesting because there was a fear that lied even deeper that i got to got to experience on vilca which is a very powerful dmt uh containing plant and that was the fear of losing my mind and actually Ooh, losing control wow. of my mind while still being in body. And that's something I've watched my father go through, which has been really difficult because it's almost like mourning a death, but he's still alive in his body. Yeah. And, and I think that fear was planted inside because what's greater than the fear of death? Well, having something that you don't want to happen be played out through your own avatar that people think is you, that's a fucking nightmare beyond nightmares. Beyond nightmares. Right? way ra- like yeah. any sane person would choose like oh i'm gonna lose my mind and hurt people or i can just die see ya right. you know like i'm yeah. out of this bitch i'm not gonna hurt anybody through my own body but the vilka took me to a place where i had like lost my mind yeah and it took me be- and i've never gone to a place like that before i literally had two words that were available to me i had i had pajamas and nintendo interesting those were like yeah Yeah, exactly i had nintendo and pajamas and those were the words that i was like huh all right that's what i got available right now i'm losing my fucking mind my marbles yeah and like but there was ultimately through that there was still this like divine presence this like faith like you know what man maybe you can only say fucking pajamas and nintendo right now (laughs) but you're gonna be okay like you're gonna make it through and through the end of that fear i feel a lot more like i I've come to the other side of that great fear of losing my mind. I feel like at the point where my mind was gone, I was able to keep enough faith to find my way back to the shore. And so like all these things are just pointing different lessons, different yeah. ways to learn, different ways you sharpen the sword and hone your spirit and be able to do what I'm fucking here to do, which is to do what serve you're doing. and have yeah. fun and That's and servitude. Play. Yeah. Right? I, I always love how you, 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 you and, and I, let me back up a little bit. The the concept that the physical the physical realm, I mean, that's where most people exist within their fear. If I, you know, if I get injured and I can't walk or whatever, I like we had Travis Mills on the other day, and Travis is one of five guys that lost every limb. Right, set down his backpack in Afghanistan, blew off his arm and his leg. Damn, shredded his other arm and his leg. They ended up taking both those. 
right? But here yet, he wakes up every day, he drives himself to work. He's helping these families cope with their stuff. He just has his second child. His son just turned one. He's got a fulfilling life. He's he making- He didn't lose him. every limb. He didn't man. lose every limb. <laughs> he didn't lose his mind, right? Yeah. He didn't lose his heart. And so what I love about you know the recognition of this 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 skirting that you went through and I've I've experienced it many times after that as sure. well too you know the physical is not the great one where the fear is the most it's kind of where it starts it starts there it starts there and but if you don't beat that level you're stuck at that level for all for all <laughs> time right you could continue to be stuck at that level amen and so moving into that next space of of losing your mind as well too once you realize hey the physical self is, I, you know, that's just a, a, a vessel to put me into these other learning, these experiential learned, you know, this education yeah. of life. And now, all right, I'm good there. Now all of a sudden, wait a minute, holy shit, I'm going to lose my mind? Wait, that's a <laughs> yeah, potentiality? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And, and I, you know, when I got out of the teams and my post-traumatic stress, many, many times I, I felt like I was, I couldn't, I was drowning and not being able to grab hold on to something that was true and then i i tell came. me about that like what what is that feeling that that comes and descends upon you where is it just like you're got plunged under the water and you don't know which way is up anymore like what what was what were you feeling what were you experiencing i it was for me a big part of it was guilt right it was guilt that triggered the depression right and the guilt of not continuing service right i i like you left your brothers i left on the my brothers i left my brothers on the battlefield and i got out because i didn't think iraq was gonna kick go big i got out because I, I, there was we were victims of a political uh, um, chess game that I thought we were the tip of the spear. I thought if there's bad guys, they put us in the battlefield and we go kill everybody. And unfortunately, the only way that works is at the tier one units, right? And yeah. if you're down here and if there's politics going on, which there always is, everybody's a pawn. But like we were just the pawns, the little nasty felt on the battle, <laughs> you know, your dad's old chessboard in the corner, right? Yeah, yeah. So realizing that was a struggle. So I, I left because I was frustrated as a young man. So then Iraq kicks off and all of a sudden we start losing guys. You know, Marcus's event happened, uh -huh. Operation Red Wing in 05. Uh, in the Battle of Ramadi, we lost a ton of guys. Mike Mansoor, you know, uh, Air, uh, Mark Lee died. Um, and, and now all of a sudden I'm, I'm off, I'm on the sidelines. And man, I felt this profound guilt and I didn't know how to work through that. I didn't have the skill sets and, and that guilt. It's so funny. You know what's funny? And I want to get continue yeah. with this story. But it's like <laughs> we learned so much useless shit oh. in school and in life. Like constantly learning useless shit. You know what's a useful thing? Hey, here's how you process your emotions. <laughs> Let's take a year of fucking school and forget about history and, and, and biology and work math. Work on mental health <laughs> yeah, issues, right? Exactly. Right. Like, give us some fucking foundation <laughs> to be able to deal with the shit that's going on in our head. Instead of the first time you see it, you're a freshman <laughs> yeah, in college. Yeah, exactly. All you want to do is party. And Psych 101 <laughs> is like your, your sleep class, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. No. When you're really scared as a 13-year-old kid trying to discover the hierarchy of identity, why not teach about, yeah, you know, maybe some emotions? Some yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would know. think it would happen. I don't know. Maybe one day. Some, I guess some progressive schools it might happen, <laughs> but certainly not in the public school system, yeah. right? For God forbid. So for me, it was, man, I it that triggered. And I've been prone to depression before. I had depression mm -hmm. back in college that, that was pretty harsh on me. And and this triggered that. Did again. your depression when you joined the teams? Did that? No, because I was coming out of a big dip, a, yeah. a, a four-year dip there. That I and then by joining, I regained that sense of tribe, right? And purpose. And purpose to a great degree. And God, thank you for its purpose, right? Yeah, I, I could start legitimately. I, I was on that trajectory of who am I and why am I here? Mm -hmm. I had a pathway towards that discovery, and and. So, but at this time I was back, I, I, that was gone. I was not working. You know, I tried to service it by going to work for Blackwater when I got out and, mm -hmm. and that wasn't doing it. Well, you lost, I mean, you lost your sense of purpose. So Completely. depressive episodes, Yep. the application of intense struggle, intense growth, 
intense camaraderie, tribe, purpose, and then <laughs> and then pull yourself out of that. And you're Literally. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> what the fuck? Who am I? Where are my brothers? What? What the fuck? That's got to be you know the, incredibly intense. It, 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 it is, you know, because you're trying to, what do we do every day, right? We wake up every day and, and we're like, all right, all right, I'm pretty sure I know who I am. I'm pretty sure I know, I'm pretty sure I, I know you, you're, I think you're good. I, I know I love you. You yeah, love yeah, me. Okay. Yeah. I know I love him. He loves me. It's right. like orientation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the yeah, orientation, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Now I can set forth down this path. <laughs> For me, it was gone, man. And I'm trying to figure out in South Florida what where those relationships are. Where and you know, I had I had gotten engaged before I got out. That crashed. This poor girl was in stuck in the middle of this. That crashed. Uh, my parents were like really scared about me. I started drinking like a madman again. I started you, you know abusing drugs. I I mean, I was riding my motorcycle through bars and, you know, I mean, I was the guy on I-95 with, you know, my, my sunglasses on, just dr drinking a bottle of, uh, uh, you know, of, of, of tequila going a hundred miles an hour in my Harley going, sweet, hope someone cuts me off right now. And, and to try uh -huh. and just, you know, be done with the- You're trying to solve the problem of your pain. Yes. You know, and that's what people don't understand. People get all judgmental about when they see somebody in that- that's just a person trying to solve their problem. You know, they just have maybe not the best technique available to them, but it's what they have now, and that's what they're trying to do. And you were trying to solve the problem of your pain. Hundred percent. And and but I couldn't even conceptualize the power of pain back then, mm -hmm. or even imagine that at one day I would say to myself, "Wow, you know, my path to salvation, my path to righteousness, my path towards." you know, being okay if I do have to sacrifice my soul, lose my soul, you know, to something <laughs> bigger, it is through this peaceful pathway of pain, you know, and, and, but I, I had no, I, there, I had nowhere to go. There weren't podcasts like yours. <laughs> right, I, right. I, I, I wasn't around people that were, you know, talking about Descartes or, you know, Camus <laughs> yeah. or, or, or talking about, you know, reading, you know, Thoreau to one another. Right. And I, I, there was just none of that. I think that's the beautiful thing about the time that we're in now Yes, is like, there was an absolute void of conversation that was happening in any meaningful way. Like you have big networks putting on programs that are all commercialized and fictitious and manipulative contrived, and coercive yeah. and contrived. And that's one way to get media. And, and most of the media you're getting is like that. And then you have some weird offshoot kind of, you know, f channels and magazines and stuff that all feel a little weird, but yeah. the raw authentic communities that are springing up through these podcasts and through these movements that exist now, is now giving everybody a place to like, as long as you're paying attention, you can jump on board and find some find some tribe. One of the greatest dialogues that I've listened to over the last few months was was your show with Jordan Peterson, right? Talking about that very aspect of dialogue and that yeah. very aspect of of creating a, a a new sense of purpose in conversation, mm -hmm. but respectable conversation, not. Not not this aggressive, you know, stuff you see on the streets or in between political parties or whatever, but a a sense of great purpose. And hey, man, <laughs> you, you got some great information. I think I might have a, a sliver. Let's sit there. Let's sit down and try and figure out what's useful to one another yeah. and, and, and in an open way, in an open fashion, through that core, uh, really respect for one another's opinions. And it has to be there because. I think one thing that people don't recognize is that truth and love are synonyms. <laughs> They're fucking synonyms. Bro, now why you don't don't display the secret, right? Let's yeah. keep that shit for ourselves, right? right? <laughs> but like the idea that you can have one without the other is false. is false. 100%. Like you can't so you can't be trying to give somebody truth in a non-loving way because it's not going to be truth right. you can't give someone love in a non-truthful way because it's not going to be love right. like those two things ride together always ride together so there's all kinds of the things that people say like to give the truth in the kindest way possible okay good advice but truth contains kindness 
innately. 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 It's built into it's it, right? Built in. It's built into it's it. built into the definition when right. you actually understand that. And if you approach all of these arguments and debates, understanding that you all want the same thing, you're all team love, team people, team yeah. earth, team God, team everything, right. you're just trying to figure out the mechanism that's going to be the best way, then it's all fun and you don't get so wrapped up and your identity doesn't get so tweaked out that you can't possibly listen to someone and you need to fucking storm off and <laughs> start hammering people online. Like, or, or run into a guardrail, right? Yeah, to yeah exactly. Out, right? Exactly. Well, well, you might need that. I don't know. Who knows? Well, no, I believe it's essential. Yeah. I believe it's essential because until you rightfully, and or I can't say rightfully because that's the wrong word, until you legitimately say, all right, I want to start walking the path. I want to discover the way, whatever that way may be to get you to that, that peak of love, right? And, 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 and away from all the other stuff that's corrosive, it, you know, and you start walking. I believe wholeheartedly that these moments, these brushes with death, these brushes with loss, losing a loved one, getting sick, uh, getting divorced, having a tragedy like that, losing a child, you know, those are the things that create, you know, it, it, it's a shift, creates a shift of consciousness, mm -hmm. real consciousness, right? That then says, all right, and now's the time. Yeah. But again, man, that fear comes back in and it stops them. It's like, you know, I don't know. Did you ever play Mario Brothers? Loved it. You know how you could go push down on those little pipes? Yep. And occasionally one of those pipes would drop you into another world. <laughs> and that world would be like a sub world. It would be like level 5.2, <laughs> you know, and you like kind of maybe beat that world, pick up some stars and some stuff and then jump in a pipe and go back up to the yeah. normal world. And it's like all of these accidents that happen, all these things, everything is just you getting dropped through that pipe. And it's like, here you are in this level. Your choice, how you want to handle it. You can either lament it and complain about it and be like, God damn, why did I press down on that pipe? I could have just fought Bowser way quicker the other way. Or you could be like, all right, well, there's going to be some stars down here. There's going to be some you know, mushrooms I can pick up. There's going to be some ways I can get stronger, some things that I can improve upon. Yeah maybe gain an extra life, maybe do some other things, and then I'll pop back up even better. Like, it's the choice we always have. No matter what difficult thing happens, it's like, all right, down the tube in Mario World. I and love here it. you are. I love the analogy. And, I, you know, th that, that very reason of that truth that happens to us and whatever you, whatever you want to describe as your trauma that you're going through, right, is why Marcus and I started the Team Never Quit podcast because mm. – we believe that it's those situations that give you the clarity to start redefining, you know, all these different perceptions, right? That saying, all right, you know, and that's why you, you, you know, we were talking about Andy Stump and Andy, you know, and Andy getting shot, re re redefining his perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or, or having Lance on, you know, mm -hmm. our show. You know, that's redefined his perspective pretty yep. substantially. It still is. Uh, have, and then, my, you know, my one of my favorites by far is a guy named Tim Ballard, who is uh, the president of Operation Underground Rescue. And they're an anti-slave trafficking company that goes out and helps these foreign governments do these things and all this. And, he, you know, he told this insane story about going down to Columbia and busting up this ring where you know there was these you know germans and people from all around and one guy was repeatedly raping a three-year-old little girl that was his thing and, and i'm and um you know you take a step back and you think to yourself fuck that's the heaviest thing i've ever heard in my life yeah how, how do you how do you exist? And I asked him because he has guys like me that work for him, former SEALs, former CIA yeah, yeah. guys. And, and, and he was telling me that those guys last about one or two trips and then they're done. They can't take seeing that. It breaks them, right? A child will break us all, the pain of a child. But he goes back again and again and again and again. And it's self-induced. And I, you know, I was, like, I was like, Tim, man, how do you do that? And for him, it was, man, it's what God wants me to do. I'm, I have faith that this is my 
purpose. Regardless of the trauma that I have to experience and witness and see firsthand and touch these children that are bleeding in their, their arms, and they wrap them when they turn them over to these doctors and nurses with them. That's my truth. That's my love. Yeah. When you know your why, you can bear almost any how. You know, like that purpose is so, so key. So for you, all right driving your motorcycle, drinking tequila, getting in some bar fights, I'm assuming, (laughs) one or two, two. trying to fix the pain. At what point, because you're one of the most purposeful and purpose-filled humans that I've ever met, at what point did that purpose start to come back and you start to realize like what you were here for? I, I was, I the first inclination I had, I, my second job with Blackwater, I was doing uh, counter, uh, teaching counter drug commandos how to operate, uh, medical stuff primarily, and then I was mentoring them on some missions and stuff. But I was also doing a building project for the Afghan border police, and I was flying all around by myself in these old helicopters. And Af- it was it was crazy. Well, we had we had hit this one compound. I suppose a big drug dealer up in the north, and obviously it was bogus intel. There was nobody there. Well, anyways, we're, you know, we're we're wrapping up, or you know, doing our thing. And I look over, and the compound's filled with children. And now Afghan children, I believe, are literally on the bottom of the bottom, right? I mean, by the time a an Afghan girl is twelve, she's basically a receptacle for procreation, right? Uh, little boys are raped and abused and beaten on a regular basis. It's it's literally, you know, a, a, a feudal system that is the iron fist. I mean, it, it's it's grotesque. It really is. And not that certain components of their culture are amazing. I mean, one of their cultures saved Marcus's life, right? And that's what why he wasn't killed by um, by the Taliban. But but this was like it hit me that these kids had nothing. I mean, they were. The most destitute, they had no school, no education, they had no future, no nothing. And it hit me for the first time, man. I'm sitting there holding a a, a real cheap, you know, uh, 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 Yugoslavian AK that was a piece of shit. And I'm I'm earning six figures a year doing this job. And I'm we're trying to we're going against a, a drug, you know, thing that they're producing, you know, three hundred billion dollars worth of heroin a year, and and I'm. What is it? What what am I doing, man? Yeah. Those kids have nothing. And that was the first moment where I was like, all right, my mission's wrong. I'm in the wrong. I'm, 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 I'm you know, my 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 op order is not correct, right? And and that's where I made the shift and I started Frog Logic not af- long after that. And it started with the idea that I would, after doing a bunch of research in child development and and my original goal, I was going to go work for Doctors Without Borders or USAID or all that. And I was Red Cross and I was going to go to these war-torn countries and somehow make an influence on kids. I didn't know how, I didn't know why, but yeah. I was going to somehow give them something to prop them up to, to manage the onslaught of that negative insurgency. It's almost like seeing those kids was your own call to adventure in the hero's journey. hundred percent. Right? Like, oh, shit. And, I, and I'm a big Carl Jung fan. Yeah. And I, I have... I, I have the hero archetype has been my greatest defining characteristic and also my most tragic, as mm-hmm. it typically is, right? And so, yeah, I found new purpose in that calling that I'm going to champion children in some capacity. And I didn't know how because I was a friggin' derelict, right? I mean, a complete derelict. And and, and so I'm like, all right, this is going to work. And so I, I, my research then starts leading me back to the States when I got off that deployment. And Childhood obesity started skyrocketing. I actually found a, a, a county in Texas where there was uh, 60, like 62% of the children in that county were morbidly obese. I'm like, that's a problem. Mm, that's <laughs> and a then problem. teenage girl suicide started to climb for the first time in 30 years. That's a problem, right? What's going on? And then stumbled onto this, 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 article uh from these cats at harvard we're talking about this thing called internet withdrawal syndrome which was basically the desocialization of our culture and i'm like that can't be good right (laughs) that can't be good holy shit 
all right, well, that's what this is it. I'm going to do it here in the States and it'll be great and it'll be awesome. And so I wrote a kid's book, you know, and it was all about, I think, self-confidence. And my target was eight to 13. And if I can just teach kids self-confidence, right, in that transition from out of the, the nest of the womb into, you know, sure. that, yeah, the social where we're all bunch of, you know, we're all, you know, discombobulated, if you will, in our growth. I, and if I can teach them some kind of thing on how to do it, yeah, yeah. something that they can fall back to, they'll be good to go. And so I did it and I gave up contracting and I started speaking at schools and I was really blessed and had a great success. Talked to about almost, almost 4,000 kids in a little over two years and then the economy collapses. And unless you're the King Tony Robbins, you know, you ain't getting paid to give speeches. And, and I'd been given onesies, twosies with corporations. But man, when I first started with corporate, I sucked bad. I was horrible. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. So I, and I still had that guilt. It was still ruminating. It was still, and I was flirting with it. I wasn't doing good. But in that shift, I, I discovered I needed, I really needed to something to anchor myself onto. And that's where I was like, all right, faith is going to be it. I'm going to, I'm going to pick faith. It seems to do a lot of people a lot of good and a lot of bad too, but there's a lot of people I know, you know, there, there are no atheists in foxholes, so to speak. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know if who it would be or what it would be. You know, I had an assumption it might be Christ, but I started that journey, you know, to coincide with the other economy collapses. I, you know, I, I, I'm newly married. I, all right, what, am, holy shit, what am I going to do? I, I got a job working for the CIA, right? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, brother. <laughs> yes. I can go. I can absolve myself of that guilt. I can get back in the fight. Uh -huh. I'm going to, oh yeah. Dude, <laughs> epic, brother. Oh, all that stuff, right? Those fears, all that, yeah. man, I'm going to get it back. <laughs> oh, badass. I can work for the CIA, right? Spent two years training case officers how to work better with JSOC, tier one units, as well as other special operations. And really my fascination for psychology kind of came into play because, you know, they're two, they're juxtaposed how we train, right? And yeah. in the special operations world, it's all a derivative of team. Everything's team. In fact, I, I don't I don't do what I do for self at all. There the self-actualization is pretty much eradicated in all in those main it almost, you almost it almost forces the surrender of self forces. so that you can absolve yourself into team which becomes the only form of identity that you carry beautifully put that's exactly what happens mm -hmm. right case officers uh -uh. from day one man <laughs> it is hyper compartmentalization of i of their mission. Which, Putting the I back in CIA. <laughs> I mean, it's big. It yeah. is big capital I. It's like a graffiti <laughs> I on, on the side of a giant wall, yeah. right? And and so I was quickly, they're like, all right, Rutherford, you're you're the medic. You're kind of touchy-feely. You're kind of the art dude. Figure out how to make them believe this shit, you know? And I'm like, oh, wow. Well, I, you know, I didn't know their training. I didn't, so I jumped in the book, started reading up on, you know, you know, operant conditioning again, all the stuff I had gone through back in college and really tried to begin to understand and somehow was able to learn a lot in a very short, the two years where I train them, but still that scratch, it wasn't like, hey, you can take this and go back to helping kids and people mm. in a positive way. The scratch was still there because here every day I'm talking about being in the, in the on the front lines. Mm. What do you do when you're facing gun? And that's time? like a physical absolution of your guilt would be to rejoin the fray, right? Rather than finding the other purpose and forgiving yourself, letting it go, you're still flirting with that thing. No, not <laughs> so lucky. If I only could be that smart at that time. No, because my, my ego, and you guys talk about it all the time, my ego yeah. got the best of me. So what I do, I, I my my buddy had been doing it a long time. He's like, hey man, the the recruiters showing up today. I told him about you, you know, whatever you want that I work with this guy. Why don't you meet him? And he came down to where we were doing the training, and I'm I, we were on the sniper range, and I'm and I'm not a sniper, but I was helping guys just position and stuff like this. And truck pulls up, and heard a dude get up. And my buddy goes over, hey, what's up? And I heard a voice, and I turn around, and it's a good buddy of mine that I was in the teams with. Mm -hmm. He's the recruiter. 
And I'm like, yo, bro. He's like, Rock, what's up, man? He's like, hey, man, you want to come do the job? I'm like, yep. <laughs> you know, literally three months later, I'm, I'm, I'm landing in Afghanistan on my first downrange job doing as a, you know, close protection specialist, the whole, what the, what they did in Benghazi, that stuff. And, mm -hmm. and I'm living that life. Now I'm downrange. Now I'm back in it. Well, guess what, brother? spiral right back out into that and it didn't absolve me of any guilt it yeah. didn't help me and in regardless of how many brushes that we'd have regardless of how frustrated i was you know because there was no real team going on again how we were treated how we treated them and i was trying to be captain positive right because i discovered right that's a really good place to be regardless where you are but man i wasn't getting it yeah, it's like thinking, if I just buy that one more Bentley, I'm going to feel really good about myself, you know? And you just fucking keep buying them. That next thing, oh, that yeah, but next if, thing. But if I get that Rolls Royce Ghost, though, I'm going to be good. I'll be perfect, <laughs> right? And then you get it, and you're like, damn, no, that didn't work. No, and, it, and, it, and in fact, if because of why you're doing it, it's driving you further away from the truth, yep. of, the truth of love. So it was, thank, thank God, after two years, you know, my ex finally said, Hey, if you go back down range, we're done. Mm. Probably should have gone down range anymore, but we're done. <laughs> Anyways, but no, I'm just kidding. But, but so I, I quit, right? And, you know, started praying on it because I was really trying to get dialed in with whatever that meant, right? Mm. Whatever the burden of, of faith meant and, and its positive role it can have. But man, I was struggling, Aubrey. I was struggling because I didn't believe, like I, I didn't believe the truth of what it is about. And started praying, like, please you know, give me something. One of my closest friend, a good friend I'd gone through training with way back when, back in '96, um, calls me out of the blue, and he was working in the financial world, right? And he's like, he's like, Rut, man, what's up, dude? I'm like, bro, what are you doing? And he's like, Hey, man, or are you still speaking? Are you giving speeches? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you suck. And I was like, come on, bro. You know, I can tell a story, dude. And he's like, man, we use speakers all the time in a financial world. If you don't suck, you come up, I'll use you. My buddy will use you. His buddy will use you. Everybody will use you. You know, I did 30 events for that company that year. Wow. And it made me realize, and the, and the, and the joy I felt and the purpose I felt was amazing. Now it took me a little while to get to for the real message to come to fruition because I was I was still like, should I go back? Should I not go back? Sure. Should I go back? And then it was about it was really like probably 2012 leading up to my second daughter being born where I was like, man, I got to I have to be all in on this. You can't do it half-assed. If I'm going to go down the journey, I'm really going to explore and go back to the the poet side, mm -hmm. right? Because, I mean, I was an artist in college, all right? I was an art major with a minor in poetry as well as like four other minors that I shifted all the time, right? You know, and if I'm going to let go of the warrior and move back to the poet so I can observe in that space and in that state of mind to really learn and allow things to penetrate, I got to give it up. And so that's where the shift really ha happened. It's such a cool thought to think of you being the poet the whole time and then embarking upon the warrior journey as your own hero's journey, your own call to adventure as a warrior, your own approaching the inmost cave, tests, allies, enemies, all the whole thing. And then eventually being able to return with the elixir of the knowledge that you gain with these brushes of death and the camaraderie and the teamwork and everything that you had back to ordinary life where you are a poet and always have been a poet. And that's the, that is the, the true way that, that we all have these little excursions. You know, we'll go on this little adventure and it'll take us out of ordinary life on this path until we find out all the lessons and answers and understandings that we need. And then bring those back to who we truly are down at the who bottom. Who we truly are, right? Regardless of whatever brush with death you have, whatever knowledge you question, whatever, you know, spiritual doubt you might have, but it's the journey, right? And it's this juxtaposition of 
of this pull on one side versus the other, the duality of man, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the duality of our existence is the great pathway to enlightenment, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I love coming into your office, man, because you look around and you, you know, <laughs> you've got armor over here, right? <laughs> you've got the sword there, you've got the warrior there, but then you have the chief, right? And then you have sport, and then you have the kimono, and then you have you know, this beautiful African piece right here. And so you, you it's like, man, you want to just say to people, hey, there's a beauty in the pain. In all the things. In all all the, the fucking things. things. All things. And like this idea of preference of one thing versus this other thing versus like just feel, you know, like the only thing that I think you can genuinely prefer is prefer doing and feeling and being and opening yourself up rather than hiding and armoring and running away. You know what I mean? Like just allow yourself to open to all of the pain, all of the love, all of the all of the stuff that's real rather than hide. And the faster and quicker you open yourself up to these lessons and these things, that's the life of a poet. That's a life well lived. That's a life that you can smile at. That's where you can have that feeling of hoka hey, like today is a good okay. day to die because I fucking I'm living, man. <laughs> what was it like the first hug you got from Wit? Hmm. I was, you know what's funny? Anesthesia turns me into a total pervert. <laughs> like, like a fucking raging total pervert. <laughs> I remember I got my nose surgery done a couple of years ago and I'm not someone who's like going to hit on anybody. Yeah, about, yeah. Like it's not my fucking jam, yeah. you know? And I'm just hitting on the nurse. <laughs> just And Whitney's, Whitney's right there just shaking her head. And oh, I like, I, I have like that, only partial met when she had to remind me, she's like, you remember hitting on the nurse? I was like, no. No. Me no. What? what? <laughs> I was like hitting on the, and this time oh. Whitney was there. So fortunately there was no nurses yeah, involved right? in this. But I'm like, I'm like just talking dirty to Whitney, like a meat, like face all mangled and, and it's like bloody still. And I'm like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Talk, talk, like come on in this hospital bed here. Let's yeah. close the door. I was being a total perp. It was, it was a really funny, it was a funny thing because it wasn't what I would expect. Like, because it never really felt like that moment of like, wow, I just brushed with death and, I, and I'm just so happy to be alive. It was more like, well, here I am. I got the perfect lesson. I don't know exactly what it is yet. Ooh, but here you are, and damn, you look good. And damn, I'm coming off this anesthesia. Like, awesome. let's get under these fucking hospital blankets and get weird. I love like, it. Like that was like my initial thing. And honestly, the appreciation for the physical exploration of our intimacy has remained. And it's cool. been like one of those things. It's been like, wow, this is really special. Like I'm on limited functionality because my face is yeah, off. Yeah, you almost had your you face yeah, yeah, off. Yeah, I almost had my face. Thank God like, everything else is okay, right? <laughs> I can't kiss, but like, <laughs> but it, just being able to enjoy that, I've enjoyed that so much more. And also like seeing her be able to open up her caretaking and her feminine side yeah. and be like, and, and I think she's been a lot more afraid of my death than me because she saw, she saw the blood. Yeah. She saw the pictures of the car. It was weird for me looking at the car. I was like, damn, that car is really fucked up. And then eventually I was like, I kind of don't want to look at that. Yeah, anymore. yeah. Like, that's too real. Like, yeah, that is real. I'm happy with this idea that I fell asleep and got a big lesson. Exactly. When I start looking at twisted steel and guardrails that malfunction and weird shit like that, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> I'm quite ready to look at all that stuff yet. Well, the, the poignancy of, of that, of twisted steel, right? Yeah. Is is sobering. It is. If you allow it to pull you away from this other aspect, the beauty of that physicality. What I loved, one of my favorite things, is you 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 posted this thing where you were dancing with her a few short days afterwards, yeah. and and then all these people and your friend who was playing the piano, mm -hmm. and, Naco, and yeah. yeah, and all these things, man, was really. It's like, hey, in the crisis. Right, in 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 the never quit moment, right? Bring your tribe in. Yeah. Let them come in the door. Yeah, like what what was Aubrey doing at the moment where everything was the worst? He was being a pervert in the hospital. <laughs> you know, like that was that was it. And I was figuring out what smoothie I was gonna get, you know, from on it <laughs> delivered. And like it was the simple things that yeah. were like that were fun and still rich and full of 
you know, and then the laughter I've been able to share and just getting movement back online, like, oh, wow, I can do a push-up now. That feels fucking cool. Real Ooh, good. I can do a kettlebell swing. That's amazing. And looking at the pool and watching Whitney swim around in the pool being like, man, pretty soon I'm going to get to go fucking swim in a pool. That's yes. amazing, you know, and sit out in the sun. And now I can't. I have to cover my face because all the scars and stuff. But just letting some of it hit my skin and my body and be like, oh, my God, this feels good. It's funny when you have those existential moments, in particular within your own sense of mortality, right? Oh shit, this is finite. The newness of each one of those moments is so rejuvenating if mm -hmm. you allow it to be, right? Mm -hmm. And but what's crazy is, you know, much like the, the trauma of your accident shut down all that memory of the whole incident. Mm -hmm. Thank God it happens like that. Much like you know, infant amnesia, right? Mm -hmm. Why can't you remember anything before, you know, four years old? Well, because it's a pretty traumatic event to come into the world, right? Yep. And be literally on, uh, you know, every day is a battle to stay alive. And, and we forget, man, we forget that every day you wake up and you can, you, you take that deep breath and you check out your opposable thumbs and you're like, holy cow, man. I'm grateful, mm. I'm truly grateful that I have just the opportunity to, to go down the path should I choose it. Man, it's so, it's like that spark, right? And so many years and days and hours that I've forfeited to be to living in the past or living in the future, everything working perfectly. I remember I went to school at University of Queensland for a semester. I studied abroad. Very cool. And I was so fucked up about my college girlfriend at that time who was like sleeping with other football players <laughs> and was like, had my head. And I'm in Queensland, Australia, in Brisbane. It's sun Great is town. beautiful. Great yeah. town. I got Noosa on one side. I got <laughs> Surfer's Paradise on the other Sit side. I got down. a dope house. And yeah. I'm like, and I was just, in my own little foggy hell yeah. the whole time, just thinking about this girl back home in fucking Pittsburgh, you know, doing her thing. And it was just torturing me. And it's like, we can, we can do that for extended period times or short periods of time right. where we'll take ourselves out of what was ostensibly heaven. I'm in a house with my homies in Brisbane taking classes on like- Doesn't get much better now, that, I was taking classes on like <laughs> psychedelics age. and <laughs> economics and I'm near like a fucking fish and chip shop that's amazing and I'm surfing and, and like, and I didn't really enjoy that shit. Like I nearly like I should. I had moments, of course. Right. And I can look at my whole life and that's why when people say, hey, if you could talk to younger Aubrey and tell him, be like, hey man, everything's gonna be okay. Stop worrying so much. Like solve the problems and then enjoy it. Like enjoy, like do the work, solve the problems, but fucking enjoy life. Don't yeah. be in the future. Don't be in the past. It, it's funny, man. It, we're talking about this and, and you know, God has such a, a great sense of humor as, you know, my, I'm out here with my best friend of 44 years and we, we were discussing that early and, and I, you know, I was... I had gotten spun up because, you know, we were supposed to go to this, this, you know, the surf spot yesterday and I would have been totally good. And then we, we extended, you know, and now all of a sudden I'm, I didn't get the, 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 the right breakfast I needed. And, <laughs> and now I didn't have the energy and I started freaking about, about today coming in and, and, and he's just like, Hey man, <laughs> pull it down. And, and, and then I wanted to be combative and I wanted to go back at him, but no, but rich, you don't understand and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and finally, like, like he walked out of the room before we, and I, and I got in there and I'm like, what am I doing, dude? Yeah. And then I got in and God bless him, man. I walk in the car. He, he's got social distortion playing. He said, I'm really happy. Today's going to be a great day for you. And a text when I come <laughs> down. And I'm being like, dude, yep. dude, right? Yep. Every day, all day, you know, and I love how you say own it. It's, but, you know, there's an accountability to that owning it. There's a, a, a um, uh, a responsibility, mm -hmm. right? And, and also don't, have the expectation that you're going to get it perfect because you're fucking not not ever and it's like the the farther you, the more shame you feel for not doing that shame like prevents you from looking at what's actually happening so it just delays the amount of time like the more shame and guilt and all this stuff you pile on like just look at it be like 
oh wow i'm not owning it i'm blowing it <laughs> you know like <laughs> here i am blowing it so totally. let's because i continue because i can yeah. continue are we gonna yeah. like serve more tea at this fucking pity party i'm yeah. throwing or switch it up like all right well we'll switch it up and just let it go you know trust the fact that you're not going to be perfect and the, the sooner you can learn the lesson and move on the better and amen. you don't need to punish yourself i love it amen i love it man it's good to fucking see you dude you, I'm glad you're not dead. I'm fucking I'm glad gonna too. I'm going to keep saying that. I, I, want, like, I want license to say it for <laughs> at least a couple more months. And there's brother. probably like 10 people in the universe that I would have come and did a podcast with at this current state. Dude. And you are one of them, man. So, Well, I, I want to say something. That, and, I, and I always like to end with something like this, whatever conversation that has real meaning. What you're doing is, is different. It's, it's unique. Because you're, a lot of people, people go down this journey in a selfish capacity, right? And it's because it's scary. It, it's not easy to find enlightenment, right? To find salvation, to find righteousness, right? I call it the Jericho mile, right? Walking that mile. But you're doing it, man. And you're doing it with an open heart, an open mind, and you're doing it with love as the cornerstone of your purpose. The only way you can do it. Yeah, and, and not a lot of people on this planet are doing that. And so, you know, coming here last year in the state I was in and the open arms that you gave me and the continuation of that, and when I would text you and we'd talk about forgiveness, you were a, a, a leading factor towards that to, to help me put that away and move on and to get to this new space of love that I am to rebuild it, you, 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 you play a big role in that. And so thank you for coming on with me today or letting me on coming together. It's just really meaningful to me and oh, I really thank you, appreciate brother. it. And, it, and it's, it's been my honor. And you you perfectly exemplify one of those people where you bring so much energy and positivity to the situation that you're in. It's like a universal uplifting, you know? And it's like, you can you can try to plan a party, you can get the food right and the music right, but if the people are shitty and not having fun and there's no <laughs> laughter and like, the party's gonna suck. Like, you could be at a party and the food could be fucked, the music could be fucked, everything could be fucked, but people are gonna leave the party and be like, damn that was a good party <laughs> and, and it, it would have been and it would and, and that's awesome. and that's the energy that you always brought and that that's such a beautiful thing you know because all of our emotions are contagious and that positivity is fucking contagious and it makes it so easy when it comes time for reciprocity when it comes time for me to serve you it's like yeah oh of course when how how much where what like because i've witnessed you bring so many things and so much to the people i love and myself as well so makes it super easy amen amen love you, love brother. you brother yeah absolutely yeah man i hope you guys enjoyed sitting down for an hour with david rutherford as much as i did this guy is phenomenal i encourage you guys to follow him on instagram he writes these daily doses of frog logic that are absolutely incredible uh really a talented writer as as he said in the podcast you know he was a poet first before he was a Navy SEAL, and that really shines through everything. So the epitome is someone who's been on the hero's journey, brought back the lessons back to where he originally was, and I really just appreciate and enjoy tapping into his mind, and I hope you guys do as well. And of course, as usual, drop by aubreymarcus.com, sign up for the newsletter, poke around, see what you like, and go to onit.com slash Aubrey and save yourself 10% off all the goodies including the goodies that I'm using to recover my face. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Peace.